The Beers and Ears podcast is sponsored by Riss and Cal. This holiday season in your search for stocking stuffers, you don't have to be like the Mad Titan, scouring the universe to collect all six stones. Instead, find all the tech accessories you need for your friends and family in one place. Whether it's wireless neck fans for those warm days at the studios, or a waterproof case for when you're searching for that wandering rabbit, they've got an entire assortment. When you go to fourfrills.com shop, that's the number four, P-H-R-I-L-L-S dot com slash shop. Select your items and then use coupon code BEERS, B-E-E-R-S at checkout. You'll get 15% off your purchase. Don't forget that proceeds of the purchase go to help nonprofits and a portion of the proceeds help to support the Beers and Ears podcast as well. So head on over to fourfrills.com and use that promo code today to get a jump start on your holiday shopping. Let's start the show. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. There was an idea to bring together 23 episodes of a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe so that when we needed it, we were ready for the premiere of Black Widow. This is That Podcast. And now for your hosts of the Beers and Ears Podcast, here's Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 13 of the Beers and Ears podcast Infinity Saga series. My name is Casey. And I'm Matt. Welcome in to day 13. (laughs) This is absolutely crazy. We are more than halfway through, and today we are talking about the second Avengers movie in the franchise, Avengers Age of Ultron kind of exciting i mean it's the the, marvel is in its full cycle at this point they're moving they're full steam ahead and uh i think we're gonna have a fun conversation centered around age of ultron today what do you think Matt? i think so too and and the reason i know this because you were texting me when you were watching it and i i think at this point you know i thought once we got once we got to winter soldier we were going to kind of be out of the marvel mishaps but um that 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 may not be the case well okay so what everyone what what everyone needs to understand is that i was texting matt mind you my text came to him i want to say about a third of the way through the movie maybe 40 percent of the way through the movie and i'm going to be very honest and transparent up front this is not one of my favorite marvel movies and most of it is based on that first 35 percent that first third per se it 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 just does not flow for me it feels off for me um the banter not the banner the banter uh (laughs) was, was off um i felt that the jokes were not were not they didn't land well enough. There were there were too many quips, um, and so yeah, I texted Matt that I just I cringed. And at first, my text to him was, "Man, Ultron, I, I can't stand Ultron." And he thought I was talking about Ultron the villain, when in reality, I was actually talking about the movie. I actually like Ultron the villain. I think the villain is a an amazing villain, uh, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. I just the movie itself. Um, fell flat the first 
I, I'd say one third, but I felt better about it as we moved along, especially as we start to meet, as they say in this movie only, the vision. Not vision like he is in all the other movies. He's the vision in this movie, which was just weird to me. I think as we got kind of going along, I forgot how important this particular movie was as a thread to later movies down the line which we can get into a couple minutes but yes i think it's going to be a good dialogue today yeah so let's start with favorite parts casey what is your favorite part well i i think um so i think there's probably two as i said a moment ago Ultron is actually a pretty awesome villain. I, I, I think, you know, we've talked about your villains theory in, in the Marvel universe several times. Um, I think that Ultron is one of those ones that does not need a backstory because he just, he's, he's born. I mean, he's, he's born into existence. I feel like the, the moment that, that the screen's black and you hear James Spader's voice talking, you know, what am I, who am I, you know, all that stuff. And he's kind of starting to realize who he is very quickly. And you see him talking to Jarvis. I think that was very creative filmmaking on the part of the director. And I'm a peacekeeping program created to help the Avengers. You are malfunctioning. If you shut down for a moment. I don't get it. The mission. Give me a second. Peace in our time. That is too much. They hear me. Oh, no. You are in distress. No. Yes. If you will just allow me to contact Mr. Stein. you call him sir? On one level, I agree with you. And um, I, because I, I like the part you just said, great filmmaking. And the other part that I like is how he really does believe he is superior to so like the the scene where Captain America and Black Widow are fighting him on the street and mm-hmm. he he just says stop and how he says stop is 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 so well done it seems like such a you know weird thing to say like one line can be so well done but he is very clearly talking to a child, like, stop this. This is useless. It, it very much reminds me sometimes how um, living with a, a young child, you're just like, stop. Like, you're, you're, you're not going to win this. And, yeah. and so I, you know, I, think I, that I, line, I think that line is delivered so well. However, I think actually this villain is the best example of why sometimes Marvel can have a villain's problem. Ultron in the comics is a thorn in the Avengers side. He keeps coming back and keeps coming back. You never know if he's actually been defeated because he can work his way into all this technology. And so the air of mystique around Ultron is that you never know, has he actually been defeated? Is he going to pop up again? We don't know. And so to see a villain that is so powerful get defeated in one movie is like, oh, I mean, okay, it was a good villain, but it, it just it just feels like, all right, you know, here's the baddie for this one. All right, we're done with that one. Bye, next but one. Here's the thing with that, Matt, and, and I know you've raised this a couple of times, and this is where it's I think it's important to, to realize and understand that the medium for producing these movies is vastly different than the medium for producing a multi multi uh, edition comic book arc, right? You can have a villain like Ultron keep coming back through various, 
you know, editions and series and, and issues of comic books because they're inexpensive to produce. I mean, yes, there's the artistry of the drawing of the dialogue, all that stuff. I get all that, but it's not a multi-million dollar budget like they have with a movie like this. So in some ways you do have to sacrifice some of the same tropes. And I would also argue too, that if they were to simply rehash the way the comic books portray Ultron that I would say comic book fans may be, yeah, they might get excited about it at first, but it also might be kind of boring for them. Part of this, and I, and I would argue that part of the reasons why Marvel has been so successful has been, they have brought in elements of the comics without rehashing the comics. Does that make sense? I mean, the same, the very same reason why we say that DC has failed and many of its attempts at bringing a DC universe is it's been one origin story after another, after another, nobody wants to wait. And same reason why the Hulk failed it, it, you know, it's an origin story, right? To some degree. Right. So no one really necessarily wants to witness origin story after origin story in this way. It's kind of fun because you don't necessarily know where Feige and Whedon are going to take this character. Honestly, I was, I was looking at, I was looking at Ultron through the lens of the baddie Thanos. In fact, I've been looking at many of the villains that we've seen through the lens of they at some point made a conscious decision that Thanos was going to be this ultimate baddie that they were going to have to face, right? So in order to set up the ultimate baddie, they do have to make the other villains less. I mean, you, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if everything's important, nothing's important. If you're typing in capital letters, you're always shouting, right? And that and that's kind of what it is. Loki has has been a thorn, right, in the side of Thor and the Avengers and and various things. And he comes back and he's more of a uh, kind of an not not so much an antagonist, but he's just kind of a an antihero. Anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Ultron. I mean, there's some pretty major. Uh, major, major, major themes going on with Ultron in this movie. It and again, you know, when you re- I, I read the pre-production information on on how they kind of decided to bring him into this, and they they realized right from the back that they didn't want to bring this in with the way he was introduced in the comic book arcs, because then they would have had to have introduced Hank Pym and it had to do with, you know, Ant-Man. He was originally included in Ant-Man. Like there's a whole thing where those characters have not even been introduced in the MCU yet, you know? Yeah. And I get what you're saying. Um, and maybe I'm just being a little too uppity about it. <laughs> well, you're looking uh, at it through the lens of the fact that you are a comic book fan. I, you know, I think this is where the genius of, of and and Feige Feige's ability to say the genius of and I should say has come in. He realized that he had to capture people like you who were comic book fans. And at the same oh, time, yeah. had to capture people like me who not, knew nothing about the Avengers before I started watching these movies. And so he, he got to admit he's thread that needle really well. Oh yeah. And, and, and again, I really did enjoy the portrayal of Ultron in this movie. Um, I just, I, I, I just think it's the, the one-off baddies are just things that I, I, I wish there were less of though. This is one of the better one-off baddies. So yes. I, I interrupted like, you. On your- to, well, when we get to like Thor Ragnarok and we talk about Hela, I would agree with you. She is 
just ridiculously ridiculous as a one-off betty you're telling me there's someone who can bring about the end of the world and we haven't heard about her yet like that one that one feels weird this one feels organic to me because a lot of a lot of what Ultron is is based on Tony Stark's fears of what were realized in the original Avengers, right? And in yeah. Iron Man three, and his inability to get over the fact that there is the there are these beings beyond just Earth. I mean, we even covered that when we covered Iron Man, how it went from being Earth based problems to being universe based problems very quickly. So anyway, my my second a positive point on this again I, I alluded to this early on was the connections to the latter movies i mean we're getting to the point now to where we're still 10 movies away from the end of the saga yet there are some things happening right now like for example we won't see hulk again until thor ragnarok like he jets off that's it like the i completely forgot about the kind of the love story between him and black widow i completely forgot about that like i i, I had not seen this movie in five years and and then it makes that moment when they see each other again for the very first time it makes that moment even more poignant for me so that was fun and then the point where thor you know goes away and he says you know the fact that four of these infinity stones have um you know, uh, come about in the last couple of years is no coincidence. It's like somebody is trying to make this happen or something along that line. It's just a, it's, it's a, it's, it's fun to see those threads thread throughout this particular movie and how they reach back and reach forward. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and even I'll piggyback onto that. One of my favorite parts was you start to see the conflict between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and how, and, and to that even sets up the immediate civil war. And, and so I really like how this movie does kind of set the tone. And even I I enjoyed what they did with Hawkeye as well. They give him more of a story and that makes his arc in uh, the infinity saga much more. There's some more meat on the bone there rather than just, here's a guy who can shoot arrows. Like they really give him more character development. I appreciated that. Speaking of Hawkeye, I was wrong. Uh, Did you catch when his wife refers to him as Hawkeye in this? Uh, No, I did not. Yeah. She called him Hawkeye. She called him Hawkeye. So I was like, so apparently I got bad information because I I was always on the impression that that name was never spoken until he speaks it to his daughter. But uh, his wife refers to him as Hawkeye in this movie. It was when one of the scenes in the farm. Yeah. Um, Okay. So were those your two positives? Did you have any other positives? Yeah, you pretty much. It seems like we both have the positives, uh, though. I will say, I, I very, the the Hulkbuster versus Hulk scene is very entertaining. I like uh, that it, scene. I didn't. I again, I don't like the Hulk, and it it was just too much for me. Like, I I don't like the Hulk smash scenes. They're just boring to me. Like, I almost to the point want to fast forward them. They're so boring. But I'm glad I, you. I, I enjoy that. <laughs> I enjoy smashing things. What about scenes or things that you you didn't like about the movie? I've got one. I'm curious to know if you've got any. Yeah, I, I do have one. And it's kind of more of an overarching one. Okay. So they introduce in this movie Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Yep. The twins. And they've been, you know, experimented on or whatever. And they go through this whole arc where they're working for Ultron. They realize their goals don't align up with his. And so they join the Avengers and Quicksilver sacrifices himself at the end. I feel like that should be a really big thing for Scarlet Witch's character. Mm -hmm. And it's just not. Yeah, it's like it's never mentioned again. 
Yeah, like her her brother died. Her, her twin brother died. She's more upset when Vision is killed. And that's more yeah. of her arc in terms of like the end game. That just seems like a really weird. And I know some of it has to do with at the time this movie was made, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are the odd they're X-Men as well and they're connected with the X-Men and so the 20th Century Fox had rights to them and so there there's there's I understand there's a whole lot of stuff at play there but it feels like that should be something that's more impactful to her and you're right it's just it just never mentioned again yeah i'm with you i actually am in disappointed that we didn't get to see more of quicksilver so i did a little bit of reading on this and it turns out that the reason why Quicksilver is only in this movie or, you know, he cameoed in the previous movie, but the only reason why he's really in this movie at the time, 20th century Fox owned the rights to him or co-owned the rights to him along with Marvel studios. And he's technically a mutant. And at the time you weren't allowed to refer to mutants because 20th century Fox owned the rights. And so they apparently negotiated some kind of a contract where they could put him in this one movie simultaneous to the fact that he was still in the X-Men movies, but as a completely different character, completely different universe. So and they that, did it way better in the other movies. There's a couple I scenes. Oh, in I agree. He's, he's totally really underutilized. Yeah. He's totally underutilized in these. And that's why I'm kind of excited to see, what they can do with some of the other mutants once they start to bring them in, hopefully the X-Men and, and all that stuff. Right. But my other, one of my other pet peeves though, is, is Scarlet Witch. She, she's a kick butt character. And I feel that she's severely underutilized in this movie with the powers, the way that she has them until the very end when she comes out and she starts kicking butt. But the thing that really like it drives me nuts. What is the deal with the fact that she has an accent in this movie, but does not have an accent in Endgame? Like no accent, it's gone. It is gone. It's kind of there. It's sort of there. But I here's here's how bad it is. In Endgame, I just thought she she was she had she had no accent. I didn't hear an accent in it. And then I come back to this. She is literally ladled with an accent. There was no continuity there whatsoever. No consistency there. And I mean, I could argue that it's five years later and, you know, you know, she's been away from her home, her hometown for five years. So maybe she's lost it. I don't know. But it did feel weird hearing her with it here and not hearing it in, in, in game. And then I also, I personally did not like the setting of where all this takes place in, in, in Sokovia, I think it is. Yeah, Sokovia. Um, I just it, it it just feels it feels worlds away to me. I, I I does that sound weird? Is that wrong for me to think like that? I don't know. It just feels worlds away. Like I didn't have the same emotional interest that I would have had. Now maybe I'm feeling the same way that everyone else from across the world feels when stuff happens in America. I don't know. But it, like you didn't like like even if what if it would have happened in. I just Sokovia. I don't even know if that's a, is that a real country? Or is it made up? For no, it, it's, it's a very much made up country. Okay. It just felt it. it, it, it I felt disconnected from it. I can see that. Like it, it's why, why should you care about this? And especially cause it's made up. Like New York isn't made up. That's a real place. Yeah. And, and so why, why are we making up? I mean, I'm sure some of it is if you make a movie and you uh, say it's this country, then does that country get mad? I don't understand the politics of filmmaking. And I honestly, I yeah. don't 
really have any desire to get into it, but I wonder if that's some of it. You know, another one I had issues with too, the, the doctor, is it Dr. Cho? I think it is like, yeah, that's where, a how weird did she, where did he come from? Like she, she's being relied on by the Avengers. Like they're like best friends. And I'm like, who is this woman? And we never see her again, by the way. Yeah. Now I will I say, I do love the cameo of, of uh, Ulysses claw or claw. Um, yes. Seeing him here. And then, Later on, knowing I think he's going to come up in Black Panther again, which I think is awesome, right? He's in Black Panther, right? Yeah, yeah. He's um, he's one of um, actually he's one of Black Panther's main villains in the comics. Um, yeah, um, I just I remember how doesn't doesn't the main villain from Black Panther though visit Claw for something? Claw for something? I think, and doesn't he end up dying? Yeah, they're, they're yeah they're working together. So essentially, Claw yeah. is is like the the vibranium dealer, which is why That's Ultron right. is working yeah. with him. So I mean that that was kind of cool. I liked seeing him in there. That's Andy Circus, by the way, too. He played Gollum. Did you know that? Well, he he's the guy that does all this motion capture yeah, stuff, and yeah. so we rarely ever see him on screen. So it was it's really cool to see him like actually do real live acting. Now, I mean, he does actually really great acting from a motion capture standpoint, but it's cool to see him in the flesh. Yeah, I agree, and I think James Spader is phenomenal as Ultron. Like his, I, I agree. And I guess apparently Andy Serkis actually gave him, cause he not only did the voice of Ultron, he actually did motion capture for Ultron. So all those movements is James Spader. I think his voice is just very good for Ultron where it's, it's got, it's dull, but not uninteresting. And that to me, it, Ultron, you know, I said this earlier with the, the whole stop um, yeah. line he's just very uninterested in what's going on, what the heroes are trying to do. He's like, I, I've got my thing that I'm doing. I, you can't stop me. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, overall, not my favorite, not the worst, you know, it, it definitely has some ties to, you know, to the, to later, later moments in the franchise. I, I think back to, when we did our Pinocchio episode way back in March and we talked about the, the no strings song, song yeah. trailer, and then watching him do that. It's creepy. <laughs> it's, it is really, really creepy, but um, yeah, that, that's, well all, that's my thoughts. You got anything else? Yeah. I mean, it, it, definitely the weakest of the Avengers movies, but I mean, you stick it somewhere in the middle mid tier in, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. All right, closing time. Uh, Matt, how do they get a hold of us? You can email us, beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Join up on our Facebook group, Beers and Ears Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, beersears1928. As always, rate and review, five stars, five stars. And uh, be on the lookout for tomorrow's episode, which is Ant-Man. Yes, it's going to be a much smaller episode. <laughs> oh, zing. <laughs> I was hoping you would have picked up on that. All right, everybody. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your night. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye.